0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading, particularly the last couple of lines from verse 9, where God says, For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. So far our text. God as Father is something that is very familiar to us. I mean, we come and every service, week after week, we pray our Father who art in heaven. But for the Old Testament people, and for those, especially among the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' day, the idea of God as Father was simply an abstract thing. That yes, God was the Father of everyone, because God created everyone. But there was no personal of that fatherhood of God for the people of Israel. Because we've heard it over the last few weeks in the Psalms and even in our office hymn this morning, we hear things of God being our rock, our refuge, our stronghold, all these things. But really, Father does not come in there very often, at least in the actual word. But all of those images also show that it, that it is God who is being a father to his people. So we have the question before us. How has God been a father to the Israelites in Jeremiah's day? Well, first, he has guided them from the very earliest of moments. And we don't have to go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the beginning of creation. We can start with the beginning of the nation of Israel. And Father Abraham, a man who was known as the father of many nations. But even God tells the Israelites through Moses, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that I chose you, but you were the fewest. Because when I chose you, your your ancestors were barren and in old age. They were two. And I promise to make out of them a great and mighty nation. And even years after God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees and brings him into the promised land, yes, still, they number two. It wasn't until God's time was fulfilled that Isaac, Abraham's promised offspring, would be conceived and born. And through him then, Jacob and Esau, and through Jacob, the twelve tribes of Israel. And then God still continues to guide them. As those tribes go from 70 going down into Egypt to witness Joseph's protection of them to them become enslaved and become a great multitude that the Egyptians feared until God finally brought them out by the hand of Moses. And even then, wandering around the wilderness, The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before them. God was continually leading them. Even when, if they had their smartphones back then with GPS, it would still say recalculating the entire 40 years they were wandering around. But God was guiding them. From the earliest moments, making sure that they had everything that they needed. And of course, Of the utmost importance was he gives continual offerings for repentance and forgiveness. Ephraim is my firstborn, God says. In the prophets, Ephraim is typically used to talk about the northern kingdom of Israel. The northern ten tribes that had already been conquered and sent off into exile more than a century before Jeremiah even starts prophesying but is still a reminder of God's desire for all of Israel, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, to be one people. Just as Ephraim himself was the younger brother, but received Jacob's blessing instead of his older brother Manasseh. Receiving that double portion that belongs to the firstborn. And the author to the Hebrews reminds us of this as well. All of the priests, of which Jeremiah was one as well, a prophet and a priest, were many in number. But they were all stopped by death and could not continue to be in their office. And they could not fulfill their office for the people until they had first offered sacrifice for themselves. Even the priest, even pastors need times of repentance sometimes. Because we're all sinners, whether we stand on this side of the pulpit or sit on that side. We all are in need of repentance. And that repentance oftentimes comes with a bit of discipline, a bit of punishment. Punishment that doesn't seem good at the time, as Hebrews will tell us later. But punishment that is there for God to make good come out of it. And that's exactly what the exile of the northern kingdom by the Assyrians was for the northern tribes. What the Babylonian exile that Jeremiah would live through would be for the southern kingdom. Punishment for their sins. But not because God is some sadist who enjoys inflicting pain. But because he is a loving father wishing to teach his children the right way to go. To make them go from the path that they are on. A path leading to destruction. To a path where they rejoice in their coming home to Him. Because that is what Jeremiah is talking about. Is that returning of the people of Israel to the promised land once again. Even after they've been exiled. Even after once again, like in Egypt, they're basically enslaved by a foreign power that they will come back with tears in their eyes, remembering what has happened. Tears of joy as well, as God leads them on a straight way back to where they belong. Weeping, yes, for what had happened, but remembering that out of all the affliction that He had put on them, God was delivering them out of them all. Just as we pray every week at the altar, for deliverance from affliction, wrath, danger, and distress, from everything that plagues us. We ask for God's deliverance because we know he will give it to us. That deliverance may be in the form of physical healing, might be in the form of spiritual healing, and sometimes it might be in the form of death as a relief of the pain once and for all taking us out of this valley of sorrow to be with Him. Where yes, there are tears on the deathbed. We fear death more than anything else in this life. But we also see on the other side that there is that joy of being with Him. Israel talks in Jeremiah about remembering the remnant of His people. And God says, "...a great company." will come back. God will take the remnant, the few, and make them into the many. These are the things that the Lord has done, the great things, that make us glad. Because as Hebrews says, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through Him. Those who come to their Father. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, and as Luther reminds us that God tenderly invites us, To know that God is our loving Father. And that we as true children can come with boldness and confidence asking for what we need. Knowing that He will give it to us in His time and in His measure. The Israelites didn't quite see that. They didn't quite understand all of those things. And years and years later, sometimes we have the same problem. Of not understanding God as a father. And how has he been a god how has he been a father to us? Well, again, the same way he was to the Israelites. He has guided each of us from the very earliest moments. Jeremiah reminds us of his call by God as a young man. But he says the call happened way before that. Before I formed you in the womb I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The psalm praises God by saying, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. From the very beginning of our existence, God has been there as a loving Father. He continues on that route as He brings us to the font to be reborn to see that washing of the rebirth of the Holy Spirit that gives us the spirit of adoption, making us sons and daughters, brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving us the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, knowing that He truly is our Father. And as a true Father, as a loving Father, He again offers continual options for repentance and forgiveness offering it over and over again through the word and sacraments and they repeat it often because we need it often we get confession and absolution at the beginning of every divine service we have the lord's body and blood as the focus of every divine service and then in every one of the services Whether divine service, or matins, or prayer and preaching, or evening prayer, or whatever service you pick from the hymnal. You hear the word read and proclaimed, offering you that forgiveness, that call to repentance once again. Because God is patient and long-suffering with us, as He deals with us, as our sins require. And then again, in most of the services we cry out like blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. We shorten it down to just Lord, have mercy. But we cry out to Him because it is He who makes intercession for us. He is the one who sits at the Father's right hand reminding Him that you and I are His beloved child. That you and I Are ones that He died for, to give us the forgiveness of sins. And there are times in our afflictions, in our punishments, and discipline from God that we don't know what to say. Again, that Spirit that has adopted us as sons of the Heavenly Father gives us the words with groanings too deep for us to understand giving us the very words that we need, sometimes when we definitely can't find them. And in that, we find the deliverance from all of our affliction. Again, maybe it's physical, maybe it's spiritual, and maybe it's actual death that gives us that deliverance. But in all these things, the Lord, we say the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. And as we look at the seventh petition of the Lord's Prayer, Luther writes, we pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. That when our final hour comes, that moment of the final affliction, And the fear that is above all fear in this life. That he might give us a blessed end. That he might remind us again. As Jesus told Bartimaeus, that each of us who believe in Christ will hear when our final hour comes. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Because we know we walk by faith, not by sight. And we know that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. We believe in Christ. And that's what makes us His brothers and sisters. That's what makes us children of the Heavenly Father. Showing us that He is our true Father. Just as He was to the children of Israel in the old days. In both the Old Testament and the New Amen.